Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 43. This time around, I spoke to one of Scotland's greatest social entrepreneurs. Mel Young was one of the founders of The Big Issue in Scotland and then went on to found the extraordinarily successful Homeless World Cup. And as well as having a hugely positive impact on the lives of the homeless and disadvantaged in Scotland, he's a true entrepreneur who's never really worked for anyone else and has made a genuine business success out of his ventures. Mel talks us through his career, the ways in which he would like to see charities and business learn from each other, and his new venture to discover a better way forward for society. This interview was recorded on Zoom in front of a global audience of Scottish business people as part of the online Scottish Business Network gathering in May 2020. Do you need a communications expert to help you with your marketing, brand storytelling or strategic content? Find out what I, Fraser Allen, can provide at www.allencoms.co.uk. That's Allen with two L's and an E and comms with two M's. We've got loads to cover, so let's dive straight in there and start at the beginning, Mel. So where did life begin for you? Uh, what was your, your upbringing like? And, and what qualities do you think you inherited from your parents? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm from Edinburgh, really. Edinburgh, kind of born and bred. Um, kind of unspectacular, kind of normal kind of childhood, I guess. Um, people often ask me kind of about the entrepreneurial bit. Are entrepreneurs... Um, born or, or are, they, are, they, are they taught um, I'm never quite sure that I think you can pontificate with that for, forever um, I think one of the qualities I, it, because people ask me about this a lot is probably came from my mother actually who who always talked to me in that very Scottish way about you you, you, you need to look after your neighbours and, and community is very important and she always instilled that in me and that's always been part of me and I think that if I was to you know um as we'll talk about in the kind of the rest of the journey, that's one of the things that I kind of took uh, 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 from my from my parents for sure. Very Scottish thing. It's 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 a kind of you know that it's 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 just something that's kind of inbred in it. It's 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 part of our our, our, our DNA, I think. And also, uh, I think it's a sense of, of self reliance. And I mean, looking at your CV, I'm not. Have you ever actually worked for anybody else? Have you, you seem to have almost gone almost <laughs> straight into a kind of just finding your own opportunities. It's it's actually true that I have never really worked for anybody else at all. I've never had a kind of boss. So, yeah, my first um, venture uh, after I left the university, I went to Harriet Watt University, uh, was was um, starting a magazine called called City Links Magazine. Um, so uh, I, I was studying economics at, at university, but but um, got involved in in the student newspaper, which I I, I really enjoyed and ended up uh, editing. And then being part of their whole communications from the students', students union side, and then left, and then uh, you know it was a fantastic kind of time. There was a lot, lot going on in terms of um, youth activity, so music and fashion and um, uh, uh, theatre and film and so on. And so we created this uh, a, a magazine, um, which was 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 successful um um in, in in Edinburgh. It's a bit of a people talk about it now. It's kind of a bit of a, a cult. Um, but and, and we were running a, a small business, although we never interestingly saw it as a small business in the same way that you would see it now. Um, uh, I, I think there was less information about it. It was an enterprise for us. We just wanted to do it. And it was the content and what it stood for was, was important to us. 
So, I mean, what then led you to get involved in another publishing project, which was the Wester Hales Sentinel, which I take it was a kind of newspaper, but um, was a gateway for you into this kind of world of social enterprise. Yeah, it was. It was. It was important part actually of of, of my life. Learning. I'm a, I'm a great believer in 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 that you learn every day from from, from things you put put in and you get out. I I think and still in that case. But so so we, we decided to stop doing City Links. I, I I never know why people ask me why did we stop. I don't know. We just decided to stop when we were younger and so on. In, in this day and age, it would have been criminal act. I think because it was a successful magazine. But then, basically, I needed a job. So, actually, you asked me earlier if I worked for anybody. I, I, I did actually. We worked for a committee. So, up, up there, out in Wester Hills, um, uh, which was a, a, obviously a, a newish uh, '60s housing estate that was showing some typical issues and challenges around these big housing estates that had been built. So, I think the people that built these big housing estates did it for all the right reasons. They wanted new housing for people who lived in in, in very poor housing. But of course, in building them, they hadn't built them with any facilities. And so naturally, there were all sorts of problems started to emerge. So there were some development plans there. And there was a small um, a paper and uh, the, the council, along with the, the, the government, had put some money together for um, uh, community development, really. And, and they wanted somebody with uh, journalist experience to come and, and uh, run the, the, the paper for them. So I took a kind of small... Um, news sheet, I guess it was, and, 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 and built into a tabloid newspaper. And it was an important organ to, to, to create some kind of purpose of, for, for that community, very important um, part of that community development. But, but I learned a lot out there in terms of um, issues like self-determination, about what community development um, meant. There was a lot of very interesting people out there at the time, a lot of things happening. Um, a guy who... Um, I've known for a long time, uh, some people know called Lawrence DeMarco, who was kind of probably way ahead of his time, actually, um, in terms of the, the notion of community development. Um, and um, later on, in, uh, I set up a, with him um, uh, and some others, uh, an organization called Sensco, which is still going today. Um, so it was a very informative time for me, very interesting. So what steps then took you from that, from that uh, very formative period, to being one of the founders of the big issue, and, and was there a pivotal moment in your life when you decided that look, helping the homeless was a really important issue for you? Um, I, I think I've always coming back to the question you asked me about my kind of early life. I mean, I've always thought about that. You know, that, that one should have a, a, a community where everybody plays a part. And um, at around the time, uh, so the early nineties there was a lot of high unemployment and a lot of homeless people on the streets. Um, and frankly, I find it quite appalling that um, so many particularly young people were lying around on the, on, on, on the streets. Um, so I didn't have a particular, it wasn't a particular issue for me. It was just one of a number of issues where I didn't, I didn't think um, what was happening in Scotland was right. And it was around the time, I don't know, famously Mrs. Thatcher said, there's no such thing as society. And actually... Um, I think there is such a thing as society. And, and, and it, 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 you know, it, it conflicted a lot with what I believed as a Scot. So anyway, um, I, I um, uh, was, was down in London and I saw the magazine uh, Big Issue, which was started in London by a guy called John Bird. And, and um, uh, um, he, he, he'd done that very su- successfully in other 
person, Gordon Ruddick, who was obviously a fan, Scott and a founder of the Body Shop. Um, and um, I, 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 I um, uh, was really impressed with what they were doing. I loved the concept of a hand up, not hand out, and it was making an influence for, uh, on the lives of homeless people. So I, I got together with a, a pal of mine, actually, uh, who I knew from Wester Hills, who knew more about the, the community social side called Trisha Hughes. And we were talking about maybe we could do something rather than moaning about life, we could, we could do something. And so um, we suggested to John and, and Gordon that, um, you know, why, why, why didn't you do the big issue in Scotland and we could uh, maybe help, as it were. And they said, well, actually, we don't think it will work in Scotland. And anyway, we're very busy in London. This thing's taking off. But if you want to do it, you know, you raise your own money and set your know, thing up. And then, you know, we'll kind of do an arrangement where you can use the, 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 the title. Um, and so we did it. We kind of begged, stolen, borrowed. People thought we were kind of crazy. And um, uh, uh, the, the magazine really, really took off from from, from day one. And um, uh, pe- people will kind of say, well, it, it was because we were wonderful entrepreneurs. Um, it, it, the truth of the matter, which is very nice, of course, but, but the, the truth of the matter is actually we were in the right place at the right time. So I, I think if, if we start the big issue now, today, yeah, it might be successful. But back in those days, pe- people were looking for something. There were a lot of homeless people to sell it. It was new. It was, it was not the traditional model for, 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 for charity. It, it, it changed the homeless people away from statistics into people, um, tall, small, male, male, female, good, bad, didn't make any difference. And there was a kind of attitude that, um, I don't know, we were in some kind of war zone or something. I mean, I remember a woman in Glasgow saying to me, oh, yeah, um, we, we, we would out give the, give the guys um, some sandwiches and some Coca-Cola and we buy magazines and we're supporting Ur boys. And it was like Ur boys were in the front line of a war or something like that. So there was a kind, we, can't, we, 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 we got into a kind of a feeling that was abroad that, that, that people wanted to do something and this is something you could do. So, you know, people would buy four copies of the magazine and, and um, you know, and then, and then we started having rock stars and film stars who started giving us exclusives. So it started to become very trendy and, 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 and very quickly it became, you know, something where we were sold, one issue we sold 140,000 copies, which was more than the Scotsman and the Evening News and the Herald all put together or something. So... It, 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 was, it, it was very successful, but in a sense, it was of its time. Things have changed. Government policy towards homeless people has changed. Other charities are in the sector. Situation is actually much better. It's not far from perfect, but it's much better. Um, but um, it, it was a, a fascinating experience. And then, of course, we, um, we, 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 I helped develop uh, street papers in other parts of the world, particularly in Russia, which was very uh, 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 very, very fascinating experience. I learned a great deal from that. Um, so it was um, um, a time of, 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 of great learning for me, but also, you know, we, we, we were able to, to help a lot of homeless people help themselves, which was what it was all about. And, of course, it's still going strong now and adapting to the, the strange position we're in now by, you know, sales, very swiftly getting sales through the retail chain as well, which is... Which yeah, is, you know, I mean... I mean that that would be against the kind of philosophy of, of the big issue because the big issue was all about the, the you know apart from the buying the magazine was was about the relationship between the buyer and the seller the seller of course but but, but equally about the buyer so um, I, I know John and and, and so on will 
will not be happy about it being being sold in shops, but needs must, as it were. Mm. I mean, these are exceptional times, and as uh, as soon as um, uh, situation changes, hopefully the, the, the sellers will come back again. But but people are buying it through the shops as well, which is which is which is fabulous. So it will keep going, but but it's a, a challenging time for, for sure. So just in terms of the chronology of this, Mel, how how long were you involved? in all of that side of things before then moving on to this an, another amazing project of the homeless world cup so um i, I probably up until so that was 1993 we started the big issue in scotland and then i kind of left there in uh, 2003 so uh, for me it was uh, a successful uh, venture i was doing really well and um you know i've probably taken it as far as i could get the entrepreneurial bit and we wanted to do to do something else but um, yeah, we, we in, in 2001, myself and a, a colleague of mine who was running a street paper in Austria, a guy called Harold Schmidt. Um, this is the kind of popcorn story, but we, we the, all the street papers came together. We, we set up an organization called the International Network of Street Papers. Um, and there were street papers all over the world who, who really copied the big issue formula, which is very simple. And we, we shared it. And, you know, I, I did some work in Russia to help. But we all, at least one of us, could try and get together with uh, once a year with with other street paper people. And um, uh, in in two thousand one in Cape Town, um, we'd had our our meeting, which were always great because we sit till three in the morning talking about how we were going to change the world and create partnerships and you know do whatever. Um, and afterwards, I was having a beer with Harold and. Um, you know, we said this is a great conference, but there's but there's no homeless people here. We're only we're editors or founders or ever, and this is a great experience we're having. It's inspiring, actually. It's keeping us going maybe for a year because it wasn't all plain sailing. Some of our work, and um, um, uh, we said we started talking about how we could get homeless people involved in in the conference, and there was all sorts of difficulties and visas, and then we talked about how how we could exchange sellers and then there was employment law problems. And then, of course, there was a language problem anyway. And then we said, but there is an international language called football. And um, so uh, we both liked football, both kind of loved it. Harold had played a bit of semi-professional football. I hadn't, but um, I watched him. Um, but we, and we both realized it had some power. So over a beer, I kind of said, look, some of our, our homeless vendors, they, they, they play a bit of football. We could make a team and they could be Scotland. And he said, oh, we, we could do the same and we could be Austria. So we shook, shook hands over a beer and said, right, there's going to be a game between Scotland and Austria. And I said, we will beat you guys, okay? Because we, we don't win very much, but we'll definitely beat you guys. At football. And he said, well, our neighbours are Germany and we never win and they get all, all, the, all, the, all the kudos, so we'll beat you. So we shook hands over a beer. And then um, we drank more beer. And by the end of the night, we'd invented the Homeless World Cup. Uh, where not just Scotland and Austria, but, but everybody would come. And um, uh, the next morning we met again at breakfast in, at, at the hotel we were staying in, and we, we said, oh, it was, a, it was a great conversation. Will we do it? So we're, you know, you, everyone's kind of in, into business and entrepreneurial, and you can have these great conversations, creative, and you're going to do things, and sometimes they just stay in the bar. Mm. So when I tell this story, people always are talking about this was the moment in the bar, which which it was. But the real decision was made in the breakfast, actually, when we kind of went, no, actually, hey, let's let's make this happen, and, and started to begin to talk about how we how we'd make it happen. 
So then we had the, the, the cut a long story short, we managed to get some teams together, uh, 18 teams to come to, to Graz in Austria, where Harold was from. And we had the first Homeless World Cup. And it, it, it was beyond, beyond our wildest dreams in terms of the change that was going on amongst the players, um, which was what it was all about, in terms of the people who were coming to watch. So we built stands, we played street soccer in the middle of, this, middle of, of, of cities. Um, hundreds and hundreds of people had come and the place was packed with people. Um, and then the, the world's media turned up and, and, and had, had told positive stories about us. And normally media was at the time was negative towards homeless people. So it, it, was, it was hugely successful. Then we did some research into what had happened to the homeless guys and we found that 80% of them had changed their lives completely, got jobs into houses, et cetera. A figure we didn't we didn't believe, um, and and then we um, uh, tested it and tested it, and then we just kept doing it every ever since. So since then we've worked with 1.2 million people around the world. Um, we're in over 70 countries. Some of the some of the countries now. So it's a kind of network um, or like an international football association that we've created. Um, you know, in Mexico, for example, our partners there work with 30,000 homeless young people a year across 32 states. They have 32 competitions leading to a 33rd coming to the World Cup. And then they've, they've brought in some major backers um, and, and are simply using football, which is what we do to, to change people's lives. And the beauty of football is it's just this great communicator. It's, it's, a, it's a way in which uh, a language which you can connect the poorest people in the world and the most excluded with the richest. So I sometimes have a, 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 a when I do a talk, I have a picture of uh, two people in it. And one of them is a Mexican girl who, who um, his family had been killed by the drug gangs in the north of Mexico. And she was living in a garden hut. And um, then she heard about the football, got involved in the football got to represent the Mexican women's teams in, in, in Mexico and they, they'd won. And then she was speaking to this guy uh, uh, who, who turned out to be Carlos Slim, who at the time was the richest man in the world. And consequently, he and his organization have backed um, what's been happening in Mexico ever since. And what I always say is actually, these two people, if you like, it was the poorest girl in the world talking to the richest man in the world. Um, they would never have connected to have a conversation if it hadn't been for the football. This football, football is this language that can brings people together, and you never know who you're talking to. Wow, that's a, a lovely story to illustrate it, uh, and it's incredible the way you built it. I mean, you, you talk about it quite modestly, but the logistics of building this thing up over the years must must have been quite demanding. Now, of course, this year you've been thrown a, a, another a kind of spanner in the works with the COVID nineteen crisis. So, what, what's going to happen with the homeless World Cup this year? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we 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 tried everything <laughs> to put it on, and um, and part of what motivates us is the homeless guys. It's what they're really looking forward to and fighting for to get to, and and uh, it's it's our kind of one week in the year when we're celebrating all the work that goes around on around the world all the time. So it's was, it was very very difficult for us. Um, but what we decided to do was not to sit back. So we're having a virtual tournament on the fifth of July. So. Uh, very keen for everyone to take a seat. We've created a million-seater stadium. So if you go to our website, it's for free. Just join in, and then all sorts of things are going to happen 
on 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 fifth of July. We're very keen to get that message out, and then there'll there'll be all sorts of exciting and interesting things happening on the on the fifth of July. So you can sign up on our uh, homelessworldcup.org website. So we hope it, it, you know it's a total experiment for us, and and everyone's working really hard uh, to make it happen. And um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it will. People are very supportive. Sounds brilliant. Uh, sounds definitely something to check in into. Uh, on the COVID nineteen theme, uh, so many people now who are you know quite comfortable um, positions in in, in life, uh, and now have got all kinds of things to deal with. And probably the issue of homelessness for a lot of people has has been put to the back of their minds. From your perspective, uh, how how do you feel about that? And, and what what kind of message would you want to get across? Um, th- that's a very interesting question, actually. Um, I think uh, all of us um, are starting to ask us question, ask questions about what society is going to look like after this, and therefore, what's our role going to be? And I think um, you know, predictions are lots of people have different predictions, but for sure, we can be certain that poverty levels are going to increase globally and homelessness consequently. And so, do we want to, to have that? So, 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 what what can we do? So. My view is that, yeah, I think we can do a lot um, still. And it's about what society we want. And we have an opportunity here now. I mean, this, 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 what's happened has been major disruption. I mean, in the business community, people talk about disruptors uh, often and, and the role. Well, we have, we have an exocet missile has hit us here now. So there's an opportunity for us to kind of reset and kind of say, well, in the world going forward, we don't want to have homelessness. And, and I, I never thought that, that we have. But there's quite difficult questions for us to ask, and it's a good question, I think. So I was on a a session there just at the the end of last week, which is really interesting because there was one of the main speakers was an Indian entrepreneur who ran a major tech business in India, employing a a lot of people. Um, And he, he, he was posing the question, a rhetorical question. He said, so I think it was 120. He said, I have 120 security people who, who he'd employed um, to, to, look, to protect the women on their way home after leaving their places of work. Um, and obviously a very good company, had very good CSR policies, also had um, a, a foundation. So a very well-respected company who were, did a lot in the community. And so his question was, um, what do I do here? I, I could make these 120 people redundant because I actually don't need them. And then I could use that money from some, to put in the foundation to, to, to go towards some of the villages in India that are really, really struggling, um, and, and particularly to support women. And he said, what, but, but then maybe I shouldn't. Maybe, maybe I should keep the 120 people, and that would be my role, and not give money to the village. Now, what, what he was asking himself and, and the audience was, what's the role of business here? And, and it's, it's, it's the right question. Is business just simply in, in existing to, to make money for the people who own the businesses? Or does it have a wider role in society? And if so, what is that role? And that might be about creating employment. That's what the point he was trying to make. Or it might be doing something in the wider community to protect and support the women um, in, in that society. So I think that that's the kind of uh, question we need to begin to answer there's an opportunity for us as social entrepreneurs, I'm a social entrepreneur, to connect with entrepreneurs, to start to try and address that problem, which is what he was asking in terms of some of the audience were social entrepreneurs. How do we get together 
to have a look at some of the most difficult uh, challenges in our society and how do we overcome them. So I'm a great believer in enterprise and, and innovation, obviously, in, in the story I'm telling. And enterprise and innovation is in the business, business community. So that's the area I think we need to connect it and have a look at really constructive, positive uh, uh, solutions. And is it this train of thought that has led to your, your latest project, which is called the, the ISM? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's not to do with the COVID uh, uh, crisis. We had started this before, but basically where I was coming from was that actually um, there's been huge advances in the, in, in the world in terms of tackling poverty, particularly in China and, and India. Um, but still there was um, the system was meaning that, that, that the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. And there was kind of real issues there and real issues around the environment. And, um, you know, I've done a, met a lot of people and, 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 and who run big businesses, extremely powerful in the world, who are sometimes kind of demonized by demonstrators. But in my experience, actually, they're, they're, they're good people, actually. They're just people who have kids and families and so on and so forth. But, but, but the, the challenge is the system. And... Um, so a lot of people will say, yeah, that the system isn't isn't uh, sustainable long term because it's it's all based on growth, and the world is finite, so you can't keep doing that. So you have to have a look at another system, and they 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 um, come up with kind of some solutions which are just, in my opinion, tinkering around with it. So the idea of the newism is to to start to say what might uh, uh, a new system look like completely. So we don't know what the answer to that is, okay? But if you read Adam Smith or, or, or Marx, it's two completely different ideological positions, but they all started from values. If you read Adam Smith, actually, he was talking about how you protect society by using money, actually. That's what his Wealth of Nations was, what, what, was about. So um, 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 in terms of uh, uh, where we might go, we want to try and create something else. Um, and, and so what we're doing in the newism is speaking to a lot of social entrepreneurs in particular who are in the place and talk to them about the work they're doing, but not only their project work, but also uh, what, uh, what, what uh, um, system change might be connected with it. So for example, we look at people who are doing fair trade and you start to say, well, is that the base one value we might have here if this is the way we do trade and what does fair trade mean? And maybe that's not perfect. Then the next one might be microfinance, for example, as a way of tackling poverty through microloans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're looking at all of these and then trying to build up something. You might say, hey, you know, going forward in the world, the way we want to protect it in our finite world, where you encourage enterprise and innovation and business, but it's based on these values. So we're creating that debate, which is attracting a lot of people to it. And of course, with the COVID situation, more people are coming to this uh, mm. discussion. And indeed, I mean, around the whole COVID-19 situation, a lot of people are saying that we're all going to have very different attitudes from now on. And I mean, do you think this is true? Do you think people will be happier about paying their taxes now that they're seeing it coming to the uh, to save the nation and that it'll be... Uh, people care more about the wider community or will we very quickly slip back into our old habits? Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I hope that we, we, we are um, actually in, in, in this discussion here this evening, actually starting to say, you know what, there might be another way of doing things here. Um, not quite sure what they are, but there might be another way of doing things. 
and and you, a lot of people I speak to will say things like that. But it's it's a bit like the New Year's resolution. Part of the people, you know, people say, "Yeah, I'm I'm never driving to work again. I'm going to go on my bike." And that that lasts for a couple of weeks after after New Year, and then you get back in the car again. Um, so a lot of people are talking about these things, but it's about being consistent. That's why I consistent. That's why I think it's about the system. So I, I think we have to start asking questions. So in the same way I'm talking newism about what's the role of government then? So um, in the future, what role does it have to play? So there's the business sector, the government sector, and the voluntary sector. And is the government playing a different role? And, and I think a key question in all that is about tax. I, I mean, all over the world, the government has just bailed the business sector out. It's, it's done that. It's a fact. Um, uh, so um, where are they getting the money from? So isn't it incumbent on us all then uh, if, uh, to, to pay taxes? And we should have a culture whereby, rather than employing an accountant to minimise the amount of tax we pay, we play, employ an accountant to maximise the amount of tax we pay. The, the challenge with that, however, is we don't trust governments anymore. They're not, they're not um, uh, uh, trusted, I mean, they're bottom of the pops. So there's issue, there's challenges around leadership, um, and I think you have to look at kind of global institutions as well, connected in with governments. So things like, you know, United Nations, World Bank, IMF, um, they, they were constructed in Bretton Woods Agreement after the Second World War. Are they fit for purpose in the modern global world? Is a, is a question which is connected with government, and then how, how what's the role of government? And what's the role of financing? And I think that that question, because of what's happened, and that government has actually played a key role here in the economy, is going to be important going forward. And we have to think that through. Um, if if we are not going to pay taxes, and we, we think there should be smaller government, then uh, the social issues won't go away. Well, who's 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 dealing with that? Is is it back to the Indian businessman again? Is it is it uh, um, a, a moral ethical? Uh, duty of, of of businesses to do something in the community, or are we saying no? It's a it's a charity, social sector, social entrepreneurs, and if so, how are they funded? And so these are all fundamental questions that I think that this crisis um, is asking us, and there's potential for us to actually come up with some pretty innovative solutions. And certainly, I'm a great believer if you put social entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs together, you'll get some some pretty pretty sparky ideas. My, my last thought really is, I mean, you, you, you don't build enterprises such as uh, the big issue in the, the Homeless World Cup without having, I mean, you can't just do it purely because you want to help people and be nice and everything. There's a lot of business now, and acumen required for that kind of thing. So from your career to date, I mean, do you, are there some sort of principles, business models that you think other charities could potentially benefit from? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think there's various things. I mean, I, I've always been a great believer in kind of self-financing. So the big issue was, was self-financing. So it got its money from its 40% of its sales and its advertising, which covered its staff. And, it, 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 you know, that, that, that's the way it operated. Almost for Cups business model, it, it, it gets sponsors or, or, or tries to get sponsors. It's difficult at the moment um, 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 to, to support it. And so it's the same business model as the Olympics or, or, or the uh, FIFA World Cup or whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm a great believer in that. And then you've got to do that. I'm speaking to the business community. You'll know you've got the disciplines about that. So you've got to watch your costs. You've got to try and maximize your revenues without ripping people off. And my view would be, you, you know, you've got to have really good staff and you've got to look after those staff. 
etc cetera, etc cetera. so same same principles about running a good business can be applied to to, to the charities of course it doesn't work for every charity um because um what they're doing the services they're providing don't have a, a, a side where they can um uh, um have um uh, uh, income generation um but i believe that um it's all about being disciplined and being focused i, I think one i sometimes get into trouble for saying this but but I think sometimes in the charity sector, uh, uh, sector I'm in, I guess, is, is that we're not efficient. There's too many charities sometimes. We're not productive. Um, and we need to say that to ourselves. Um, for example, um, I, I was at a talk uh, a couple of years ago, when I, I was really taken by a couple of young people who started a charity and said, we're, we're ending it in 18 months. Um, so there was an exit plan, and the exit plan was ABC. And by the time they got to that point, they will have made uh, a, a, an impact. And I've, I've always thought that actually our sector needs to be thinking a bit that way because it's, you know, if I look at the homeless sector, it, it's not about having charities that manage the homeless uh, uh, homelessness. You know, we actually need to be ending homelessness. That needs to be our focus. So it, 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 it comes from... Uh, uh, our view, our vision, our uber vision of the Homeless World Cup is not to exist because it's ridiculous to be in the first place. Um, and that's what our focus should be. What an excellent point to end on. We then moved on to a Q&A session with the audience. Get in touch with the Scottish Business Network if you'd like to be a part of future events such as this. And a big thank you to Mel, who is such an inspiring and thought-provoking character. We'll be back again in two weeks. Bye for now. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.